you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. On this episode, we explore no man's land. We take on our first rebel camp and complete our first set of salvage contracts. Welcome to episode 44 of Lightkeeper Protocol. Welcome to Lightkeeper Protocol, a podcast about our journey through Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. I am Jared, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. And I'd like to welcome any new listeners as well as any returning listeners. Thank you guys very much for taking the time to check out Lightkeeper Protocol. And we'd love to hear what you have to say about the, uh, about the show, about the game. So please join us on our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord, where we have channels available to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn and Forbidden West. You also have some spoiler channels if you want to get a bit more in-depth as well. So, quick recap from last episode. We uh, woke up in an Utaru outpost called Stone's Edge, not to be confused with Stonehenge, as I was calling it. <laughs> so, uh, Stone's Edge, where uh, a, well, we, well, we met Zoe, an Utaru gravesinger. And uh, Aloy helped heal one of their land gods, which we talked about last time. And that opened up Zoe to talking to Aloy a bit more about what's going on with the Otaru. And um, trying to get access into their sacred mountain, which is going to be a bit tough. So Zoe and Varl, who they're, they're, they're kind of seeing each other. And it, it was a little awkward with kind, Aloy. Kind of implied. Just a little implied. Yeah, just a little bit, you know, with the kissing and everything. Yeah, just light, lightly <laughs> implied. Yeah, lightly implied. So, uh, Varl and Zoe, they headed off to Plain Song to assemble the chorus. And Aloy says she'll catch up with them. And this is what we're doing. We're doing the catch up part of that now. Where this episode, we're going to be talking about No Man's Land. And, uh, you know, maybe this episode and the next episode will be talking about the region and the quests in it at least some of the quests that's the thing about this game i think we kind of talked about before um they do find reasons to bring you back to territories versus Mm -hmm. you just going someplace and then clearing it and then moving on uh because even in this episode uh we'll be actually going back to the daunt to take care of some salvage contracts and uh later in the game you'll find yourself back in no man's land uh, because of some quests at a higher level. So we're gonna actually going to talk about the a few of the lower level quests, like anything, I think, below level 16 is what we're going to talk about here. Uh, but yeah, No Man's Land, if you couldn't tell, is like kind of like desert-like, has an arid environment. Um, it is the buffer zone between the Karja and the Tanakh that has, you know, has been said several times at this point. Uh, even though the I think the only tribe to actually claim land is the Utaru because the stone stone's edge is their outpost. There is a Karja camp there, but mm-hmm. I guess that doesn't count as claimed land. Uh, there's a Karja camp and they're doing like an expedition there. So I guess that really doesn't count. Yeah. It's just a small, um, t- like there's tents and stuff. Like they're not like set there. That is true. So, 
but the, I think one of the things that's like very obvious is that it's the location of a large battle that happened in the old world. Because as you're in no man's land, there are dead like um, corruptors. There's the dead Horus that we saw. Uh, there are dead, not dead tanks, but there's just like tanks there and things like that. It was like a pretty large battle that was taken care of, uh, that was done in that area. Uh, yeah, so uh, even like one of the quests we're going to talk about uh, in the next episode, this episode, the next is uh, Shadow in the West. And that was like a fortress that was in no man's land. So um, we do come across some new machines. And maybe some machines for the first time that may not new machines, but a couple machines for the first time, uh, some old machines for the first time, I should say. Um, I know the one of the new machines is the Sky Drifters. This is the first time we're seeing them. Um, I think they're, they're one of I think there's only five flying machines in this game. Yeah. I said only that's three more flying machines <laughs> than that was in the previous game. Because before you just had Glint Hawks and, and Stormbirds. Storm yeah, it, it was nice to see more flying because just seeing glint hawks everywhere got annoying right so yeah now you can add sky drifters and we'll get into the other two uh new types of flyers once we actually get to them uh, you know their their areas but sky drifters they're like air watchers essentially <laughs> that's what they do like they're recon machines and their job is to you know, fly over an area where there's acquisition machines. So machines that like collect blaze and collect other stuff and watch over them and scan the area. Uh, and this is one of those machines where if it scans you while you're in stealth, since it's above you, like if you're in the grass in stealth and you get scanned, it will reveal your location to the rest of the machines. And it, I, I, when I was reading about it, it says you can, it can spray you to keep you from going back in stealth. That never happened to me. I, it never sprayed me with anything. I, but that's what the wiki said. <laughs> well, there was only one instance where I really got hit by one seeing me, which once it saw me where I was, I was n in no way going back in stealth anyway. So right. I don't I don't recall one spraying, though, ever. Yeah, and that that's a little weird, but like, because most of the time with with humans, I think it's easier to get back into stealth. Yes. With machines, eh, they're kind of just on top of you. They don't really let you out of their sight. You know, I, maybe if you down it, like you know, you knock it over and then you run away, maybe you can get back into stealth. But why would you do that? You just knock the machine over, like right. <laughs> you know, go they're, get it. They're not that strong, so if you right, knock yeah. it down, you might as well finish it. Right, exactly. Uh, so they do have electric coils, so you can do like an elemental combo on that. Uh, but like, yeah, they uh, they hit hard, especially in the beginning. I think hit kind of hard. Like they they the, the little like um, spikes they have on their tails, they shoot mm -hmm. that at you, and yeah, it hits kind of hard, especially on, on on the harder difficulty. Like that was a pain to deal with. Oh, that's right. I was like, yeah, I guess no. I think you had more of an issue with them. I did. I avoided them because I already didn't think I was. I didn't think I would have fared well against a glint hawk in the early game. So I saw this new machine and I was like, there's no way I'm trying unless I absolutely have to to fight this. So I, I really avoided them. Um, there's like a, a one part in this area that I had to fight them. And I th think you had to fight them when you were doing the death store. 
quest. Like you had to fight one or two. Really? I don't recall. I mean, I had to fight Glint Hawks when we did Death Star. Maybe it was Glint Hawks then. Yeah, it was Glint Hawks. I'm like, oh, great, Glint Hawks. I should be able to override these since I had the override in the previous game. <laughs> nope. 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 That, that, that wasn't the case. Okay. So, yeah, but Sky Drifters, I don't know. They're not too much trouble. Like, you can usually see, like, I would usually check out their pad, their flying path, because you definitely don't want to get scanned by them while they're in the air, because then your whole cover is blown. Uh, but other than that, like, you know, they, they do have, I know they do drop something. I forget what the name of the part is, but it's like an epic part that you can use to make other things. I ha- I've had the, I've had to get quite a few of them to, to upgrade, uh, my gear. I can't remember if it was sky drifters or something else, but I really, there was a lot that I was fighting further on in the game and I got really into the rhythm of, of killing them. I couldn't remember. I can't remember what it is. I don't remember if I frosted them because they were weak to frost and they would just drop and then I toxic or electric. I don't know. I don't remember what it was, but I was like really on a rampage just destroying, I think, them mid to later on in the game. Yeah, the part I'm talking about is definitely something that had to be taken off while they were alive. And it's on their tail. Was it the tail? Okay, it was definitely them because I would frost them and then shoot their tail and then just light them up just destroy them oh yeah like yeah they, it, whatever i forget the name of it and i'll see it later in the game because in the early game i was just trying to live yeah you know so <laughs> you know I, exactly uh, yeah i, I I'll, I'll get the part later but yeah they definitely have a part that w- it was used quite a bit in in uh, the, the gear that you get to create so uh, but there is a cauldron in this area, cauldron moo, but we're not going to talk about it, like going into the cauldron. It's a level 18 cauldron. Uh, so we're actually going to end up covering that after we visit Plainsong. So, yeah, we're going to come back to that. But there is a cauldron here. Uh, this is the we we first come across black boxes in no man's land as well. So, and black boxes are like from downed aircraft. It's the same as the same concept as the black box that's in an airplane. So you can figure out what happened uh, when you crash. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, these black boxes are they're across the game. They're all in downed aircraft. And in this case, this aircraft accidentally ran into machines. They thought the machines were like 200 miles away. And uh, yeah, before they could get away, they just. They they were gone. There's another one that's close to there too. That's actually underwater though, so you you need something to help you breathe underwater. That's like when I saw that one. That's when I knew I was like, okay, there's definitely going to be a tool that helps me breathe underwater, right? Because there's no way I can get that. Yeah, I remember know? seeing that second one so close, and I can't remember if I was like, I don't feel like getting that. <laughs> So I'll get it later. I do think by that black box, though, that you were just talking about, there was also like a um, the game had a lot of bugs when it first came out. And there was like the one of the igniter spots like right by it. And I cleared that thing out and I looked through it 15 times and it would not leave my mini map. Yes, (laughs) that one specifically. All of the other ones would I'm pretty sure they went away. That one just would not go anywhere. I none of the uh, igniter points for me go away. Really? Yeah, none of them went away. Wow, maybe so. that's the one that I thought they did. 
Maybe that's the one I realized it on. Maybe I'm the one having bugs. Like that. <laughs> I can't remember any of them going away. Oh, that's that's when I stopped trying to get all of them because I was like, if they don't go away, I- I'm going to come back to it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's so that actually that black box is near one of the salvage contracts that we're going to talk about. Actually, that's how I saw it. Like for the first time after I finished the salvage contract, she's like, oh, there's a signal coming from over there. So. But, um, yeah, I mean, what else do we have in this zone? Oh, our first tall neck. Our first tall neck. Uh, the tall neck and Cinnabar Sands, which Cinnabar Sands frustrates me because it's been talked about for two games now. Yeah. And they don't tell you what happened. We had a character that, some, that had something to do with Cinnabar Sands, but they don't really tell you what happened. They don't. Like, I think it's just implied. I, I know. I th- I'm pretty sure they had a forward operating base there. I, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that like the Karja had a forward operating base there. I think somebody says that, and then obviously the Tanakh pushed them out. But what was so different about Cinnabar Sands than the rest of the area? Like, what something major had to happen there? Like, it had to be an absolute bloodbath, right? Like, you know, like for for them to talk about nil the way they did. Like, you know, nobody's about yeah, like, Cinnabar Sands. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I wondered that as well, but I, I, I thought it was just the Tanath just pushing people back, like during that one, I guess, specific instance, but it could be something completely different. There's a lot of questions they didn't really answer that were like side hanging questions that they just kind of left. Yeah, I'm like, come on, like we, we get to the area that we've talked that you have talked about and, you know. Secret and I mean the Tanakh don't even tell you about it, right? And you think they would? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, this is the first tall neck in the game. Uh, there's like a sky drifter and like a leap lash near it. Also, like a, a scrapper. So there's a couple. There's a couple of like machines near it that you kind of should clear. I didn't see the leap lasher. I just saw the scrappers and the sky drifter. Yeah, there's a leap lasher for sure. The first time I, I, I went to this right away, the first time I encountered a Leap Lasher was during Death's Door. I have to think really hard not to say the name wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will also say this. You got to remember that the Tall Necks do destroy other machines that get they, in their path. They do. I've seen it happen before. It was pretty funny. Uh, so so if the Leap Lasher got in its path, it could have just got stomped on and you never would have saw it in the first place. I think that might have. that. That's probably what happened. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, instead of just climbing to a high point and jumping on it, you actually have to solve a puzzle that allows you to get to a high enough point to jump on it. So, I mean, the first time we really saw a puzzle around a tall neck would be the frozen wilds, mm-hmm. like the, the one tall neck from the frozen wilds. Uh, but yeah, all the tall necks in this game, like you have to figure out how to get up to it. You know, and they usually involve some type of like puzzle mechanic or something like that. I appreciated so, that because the last game after a while, I was like, okay, let's fight some things and jump on it. Right. It depends on what the puzzle is. It depends on, it depends on what the puzzle is. I do agree with that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but I did, what they did with Tall Necks in this game, period, is just more interesting. More so engaging. I, I, yeah. It is more engaging. I do appreciate that there's one tall neck i do have like a little bit of a beef with like what they did with it and when you can actually get it 
because I'm like, bro, like this is mm, this this kind of like I I, I I would love to hear the conversations around why they decided to make <laughs> that tall neck do what that they with what they that thing. Yeah, so. I know which one you're talking about too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so uh, long story short, to get to this tall neck, Aloy has to turn a satellite dish. Well, she has to do a little bit more than that, but we'll get around to that. So, I mean, Aloy, she has to climb up as far as she can get to get a power cell at the top of the dish. At the bottom of the dish, there's like a generator she can put the cell into. But once she gets the power cell, uh, she can, you know, kind of take it back down to the bottom and put it in the generator. And then she's actually able to move the dish which exposes some cables that she can break and that causes the dish to go flat and once the dish is flat she can get on top of that and then she could jump over to the tall neck so it takes a little longer than what i just explained but especially if you're (laughs) me and you don't realize half the things you have to do and jump up and down the satellite like 15 times you went up and down the satellite okay only once because I thought I had to climb around and I didn't realize there is that there, there's the part where you climb down the ladder and then you have to go to the right. But then if you kind of go down to the left, there's like little platforms you can jump down. So I jumped down and I was like, what do I have to do? Right. I totally, oh, so you missed the cell. I missed the cell the first time going ah, down. Gotcha. I can kind of see that happening. Missing the cell because it's like it's that is true. It's not right there in front of your face when you get up. Yeah. So no, I was I, in the I, right I, path because, like I said, I went down like the ladder and I just had to go right. And instead of going right, it just dropped down. Right. And I, I get that. So, I mean, the the difference, like, uh, the, the difference with clearing a tall neck in this map also in this game is that the fog isn't completely lifted. There's still like a little bit of a haze over the map. And but you can at least see underneath the haze like you can see all of the locations. Uh, so you actually have to walk over to those locations to clear that part of the map. And at first I didn't like it, mm-hmm. but I got used to it. I think it's annoying because like you can't then see the smaller details on the map that you want to see. But then, you know, you haven't gone to that specific area. Right. Yeah. I think that maybe that's what they were really going for. That's what they yeah. really focused on. But you're right. Like you do. Like you, you can't see the smaller details of the area which is kind of annoying like you have to like zoom in quite a bit just to see stuff that you might be able to see at a glance in the previous game yeah well uh, but there's a data point from the old world near uh, the power generator so this location is part of the western grand array actually i'm, I'm pretty sure all of plain song all of the dishes in plain song are part of this array and the purpose of the array was to identify near-earth asteroids that could be used for mining resources uh because while they were letting the earth heal i guess i guess part of the program to deal with the um climate problems that they had was to like you know try not to mine resources they didn't have to and stuff like that so they were they were going out to asteroids or finding asteroids they could mine resources at or mine resources on i should say so uh, they were doing an Eyes of the Heavens exhibit where people got to look through the telescopes and this panoramic hollow experience. I've never had a hollow experience before. I don't know what that actually looks like. Uh, but they also had a special viewing of the abandoned Odyssey spacecraft. So this was this this data point was before Far Zenith took over the project. 
Uh, there is another data point called worth it talking about the names of the dishes. Well, I, yeah, I think he, well, okay, I'll, I'll just kind of go through it. So he set up the dishes, the person who did this, who, who made the data point, set up the dishes so that as they were aligning, aligning, sorry, they each played a note on the musical scale. So do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, and I'm assuming do twice. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. And he makes references to Doe and Ray saying they were, they've been sluggish lately. And this work may be where the Utaro got their naming for the land gods. Uh, so cause I'm not sure if these were like the official names for the dishes or if the names were written somewhere on the dishes. And even if they were written on the dishes, these people don't speak English. They don't read English. Because even for Aloy, right, she doesn't read English. The focus translates the the language for her. I thought some could speak English because they translated old books. That is true. The Karja did have the leaves, as they call right. them, that, that <laughs> informed that informed their uh, their way of life. So that is true. That is, that is very true. And if the Karja did it, they're not the brightest bunch i'm sure other people could figure it out that is very true so maybe they read more english than i i give them credit for so but we'll say uh, discord user ben b brought this up in the in the oh, i like keeper protocol channel that we have uh and i actually forgot about the data point um when he brought it up because i when i was looking through my playthrough that's when i saw that i got the data point in the first place but then again i got this data point before I met the Utaro for the first time. I'm sure so, you did the uh, same thing I did where like tall neck. Let's do that right away. So you can see everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I did. Uh, but yeah, Ben B was the one that I, when he brought up, I was like, oh yeah. Like, um, I'll, I'll look, I said, I'll look for that in the game and then bring it up on the next show. And, and then when I was looking at my playthrough, I was like, oh, there it is. Like, <laughs> I already have it. Cause it's kind of like right there. It's, it's pretty, like when you go up the satellite, I think that's where it is. Mm-hmm. But this is where they were bringing up the musical scale for the first time. So this is interlinked somehow. So I'll, 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 I'll like, I guess it doesn't necessarily make a difference how they name the land gods. Like, you know, the, the devs are trying to make a connection here. They don't have to say, no, they found it on the side of this satellite. <laughs> it's located in this location, you know? <laughs> right. Well, did you go to each satellite and look at them? No, and I'm not. Oh, <laughs> I'll write that down in my notes. Oh yeah, I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, I know no. you're not. I know you're not gonna do that. <laughs> uh, you know, so reviewing like reviewing the gameplay I have is more than enough. I got 70 hours of it to go through. So no, no, no. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe one of our uh, our listeners they they want to go look at the satellites. And say, oh yeah, it is right there. You know, you guys would be great. You guys are spectacular if you do that. So, but yeah, there is a reference to the musical scale again. Um, but I mean, they had to see it somewhere because their their entire—I don't want to say their entire culture is based on music, but it, it's heavily rooted into music and rhythm and, and things like that. So, all right. So, but enough about the the tall neck and the satellite dishes. Let's talk about the bandit camp that is in no man's land. So it's not far from the rebel outpost we discussed, be, uh, you know, before. 
Um, oh, you mean the rebel camp? Yeah, the rebel camp. You said the what bandit camp. camp. I said bandit camp. You said bandit camp. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, there are no bandits in this game. They've been replaced by rebels. Well, <laughs> yeah, the one yeah, that's so next to the. Uh... That is not far yeah. from. <laughs> right next to it but okay it's not right next to it <laughs> move on it's fine if it was right next to it i'd be able to see it from the from the rebel camp there's just hills in the way mm-hmm. that means it's not right next to it if there's hills in the way no there's like a path leading whatever we had this discussion already <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so yeah it's not far from the from the outpost i mean christina did the camp first Yes. Which seems to be the way to do it, because if you clear the camp, then there's nobody in the outpost. I think there might have been more machines, maybe. Well, there's machines because they're in the pens. but Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, in your case, you probably just walked into the outpost and, you know, went straight to the back. I actually had to fight people back then, I had to fight so. the machines. Yeah, the, you had to fight the machines? So they weren't in the pens? They weren't all in the pens. Some of them were in the pens or like if they were in the pens, I don't think the fence was up. So to get past them, they're they're like really kind of in front of the back. Gotcha. And okay. there was a bristle back that I had to fight. Oh, yeah. No, I guess. Yeah, no, like I went and killed some people <laughs> and then that was it. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, uh, no bristle backs. Okay. So, um, yeah, this camp, I did not stop this at all. Like. I walked up to the camp, two people saw me, and it was just on at that point. Like, there was, uh, it was actually, I don't want to say it was, like, heavily guarded on the outside, but there was definitely more people outside the camp than I thought. Most of these camps, the people are inside the camp. Did you have, did you have rebels on, uh, machines? Yes, on there the were rebels okay. on machines. I they couldn't were, think of the, riders. yeah, there we go, the machine riders. Okay, I wasn't sure, because I did this first and you did the other yeah. one first so i didn't know if you uh, anyway go ahead sorry yeah so if you take if you like kind of like put it on the map like you know your your navigation it leads you right to the front door there is a stealth way to get in uh which of course you find that out after you're already in the camp it's like to the left of the camp there's like a little lake or a little river and you can get into the river and then go you'll find a a tunnel that you can go up into it but it was too late. Like I saw the machine riders. I killed them. Everybody, like everybody, it's like everybody was alerted inside the camp. It wasn't because not that big of a camp either. Right. So you alert one person, everybody knows you're there. See, I put traps down, and they walked into it and then fell off, but then ran into the next one. Like they kind of just died on their own. Oh uh, no! So I, I stealthed into it and then killed like three people, and then. I fell or something. <laughs> I rode up, and as I was riding up, when I turned the corner, there were two riders right there, and they immediately saw me. So uh, I just shot them and killed them, and then there were people on the ground, shot them and killed them. And then on the right side, like to the right of the main entrance, there's like a little path you can take that'll get you up into the camp. And I was expecting that the camp would still be like normal no like everybody was like rushing at me so i was like okay <laughs> i just i just ended up killing everybody it was actually it made for a quick experience i will tell you that much yeah because the camp like yeah. said, the camp's not big you can pretty much see everyone and everything in the camp from any place in the camp there's no 
some of the other camps are large enough where you can hide over here or you kill some people over here and the other people just wouldn't know about it. You know, yeah. But this camp's not like that. No, this one was frustrating because I started to go into the right first to blow up Blaze and I couldn't find the prisoner. So I was like, I'll come back for him later. So I go to the left side of the camp and there was someone with a gun and I got the gun and shot everyone. But then there was people up top that I couldn't shoot with a gun. And I was so mad. There was somebody with a gun in the camp? Yep. I don't even recall. I just killed everybody so fast. Like, <laughs> I do not recall anybody <laughs> being, like, who had a gun in the camp. I do yeah. not recall that. Yeah. And I just rewatched my gameplay footage of it. Like, I do not recall. You were just dying left and right. Yeah, you know? no, someone had a gun. For me, the person was, uh, did you have to go up top? I didn't have to go anywhere. They all came to me. You did okay, maybe so that okay. So I guess I the whole bottom camp was like alerted, and then there was the the I guess the leader up top, and then someone else up top as well. How did the leader get out? Because the in order to get to the leader, you have to bring that bridge down. I didn't bring the bridge down until after I the killed everyone. The, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that's when I had the leader get out because the leader is behind the bridge. Like, the bridge is up. No, because I, I had to go up top, and I had to kill the one sharpshooter, and then the leader came out as soon as I killed them. Mm-mm, not for me. Like, I killed everybody, and then I brought the bridge down, and then I went to the leader. Yeah, no, I, once I killed the leader, I went in and I, like, you know, did the thing, made the bridge go down, walked across. There's, like, there's no one else. You're talking about the guy with the shield, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, like he was, he couldn't get to me because the bridge was up. I don't know how he crossed the bridge for me. Maybe it's because you did the the outpost first. Maybe they connect yeah. in the back because they're right next to each other. And yeah, like I said, when it. I went to, when I went to, uh, into the camp, everybody was charging me. Like they were all trying to kill me. So I just killed them like super fast. I got the prisoner free. Because he was over by the blaze. So I freed the prisoner. Destroyed the blaze. And then I, I, I hit the, um, the rope thing so that the bridge would fall down. When the bridge fell down, another soldier attacked me. He died like in two seconds. And then we fought the leader. Me and the prisoner fought the leader, which we just like stomped on him. Like he, he had a shield. He had a sword. And we just overpowered him. Yeah, no, I had to climb. Because, like I said, if, if you walk into the camp and the prisoner's to the right, this was to the left where you have to walk up top. I think you had to do that anyway to get to the bridge. So I had to go up top. There was a sharpshooter up there, but they didn't see me yet. So I tried to stealth them, but then they saw me in the grass. It, it didn't work out too well. There's I grass. Ki- <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, what? <laughs> and I killed them, and then the leader ran out after me, like right after that. Yeah, no, huh. that that is not how it went for me at at all. Okay. So, yeah, that is definitely not how it went for me. Uh, but after you kill the leader, you can search their command center to see what the purpose of the camp was, and that's that's why these camps have like their own storyline, you know, in, in the game. And each camp it has set up for a very specific purpose, which is the difference between the camps and the outposts. The outposts are just there. I guess to establish a presence and for you to kill people, but the camps actually have a uh, a kind of I won't say a story behind, but a purpose. 
So the purpose of this camp was to stockpile blaze and then hit Baron Light with it uh, because they had, I think they had like maps and like some documents about the weak points of Baron Light. And uh, regardless, she had plans to invade the Sundom, and this is how she was going to get into the Daunt. So, uh, considering how much she hates the Karja, she hates the Karja enough to create a rebel army uh, that it is not surprising that she is because <laughs> she wants to attack the Sundom. So, I just the amount of Blaze that we blew up in there was not enough for anything. So, I it doesn't seem like it, right? It just yeah. wasn't that much blaze. They do a really bad. They have a really bad time with, uh, showing like the blast. I guess I I don't know how to explain it. Like every time I encounter blaze, I never know what the reaction of it's going to be because you or how see, big the explosion is going to be. Yeah, because you see like a, a pile of like five blaze things sitting there and you blow them up and like maybe someone catches on fire but then in the last game you have like three blaze barrels that you have to push out a window before it blows up the entire city true that's right (laughs) (laughs) i never know like the the scale of what the blaze is going to be at any given time Right, you're right. They don't have a. There's no good measurement. (laughs) That's a really good point. I forgot about that. Like, oh, like that 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 thing you pushed out the window was supposed to destroy Meridian. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) oh, Derval. Anyway, (laughs) so uh, Aloy also finds an audio log of Regala, and you find that the Regala is actually not working alone. She is working with an organization called the Sons of Prometheus, and they are actually the ones that are they're they're the ones providing the machines for the rebels, not Silence, as we thought. Uh, but the question is, how did they learn to override machines? So Silence may still be involved there. And uh, the message was actually a warning to her soldiers not to butt heads with the Sons of Prometheus. She says the next person that causes a fight will be eviscerated. So. So now we have another group to deal with, the Sons of Prometheus, who we actually have not seen because they are not, they were not present in that camp at all. Right. So eventually we're going to run into them as well. So. Uh, well, let's move on to the Relic of Ruin. There's a Relic of Ruin in No Man's Land. You probably ran into it on your way to Silen's uh, workshop. But unless you have an igniter, you really can't do much there. So, I mean, like close to the entrance, there's a wall that you can break that'll give you access to an energy cell. And then also when you make it to the upper balcony, there is a uh, fire gleam there that you use to break into the wall that has the actual puzzle in it. And um, the whole purpose of the puzzle is to, or to get a energy cell across a flooded room. And if Aloy touches the water with the cell, the cell will discharge. So, and ultimately you got to put it on a box and then put the energy. You got to, you have to get a box, put it into the water, put the energy cell on it, move the box over and then put the energy cell into a uh, generator, I guess. And uh, then that unlocks, that is, uh, it turns on a terminal that you can put a code into. And then when you go into that room, that's where the ornament is. I, this is one of the only things that I didn't stream. There was like one day where I was like, let me do a couple of things. It's exactly where we are in the podcast where I'm like, you know, I just finished 
meeting Zoe, but now you have to go to plain song. So I was like, let me just finish a couple of things before stream. I'll do lit play for like an hour. So I do this and I am so thankful I didn't stream this because I was embarrassed just watching the playback. It took me 20 minutes to figure out not the puzzle. The main puzzle was fine. I figured out the puzzle. I could figure out how to get inside because I couldn't. <laughs> I didn't see the box. And then when I got inside, I couldn't figure out how to start the puzzle puzzle because I couldn't find the other box. So I tried to take the box from the outside to bring it inside. It was a mess. It, Oof, it yeah. was those, the first like 20, 30 hours of me playing this game. Embarrassing. Like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, dude, it took me like five minutes. <laughs> no, it, yeah. literally like sh just shy of 20 minutes. I was like, okay, I started this at like 22.30 and I ended at like 39 something. Oof, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm not gonna, I'll, I'll let it go. I'll just let it go. But like, I figured out what I had to do right away. I'm like, oh, I have to use the box to take it over. But like, I just, I couldn't find the things. I don't, I just, I you don't couldn't. Yeah, you couldn't find the pieces to get the puzzle working. So right. I, I get you. I get you. Uh, so this place, it looks like it was like some type of museum. It was called the Zion Museum, but I don't think they really talked about what was in the museum itself. And somebody there was planning like some type of secret party. Uh, and then on top of that, she was like, I'm pretty sure it was a she was planning a uh, secret party for two in that office. Like So... Uh, I think it's a, the the data point says something about that because, like, I, th I think it's a it's it's like communications between her and then some guy, and then she's like, "Oh, yeah, use this code to get into the office. That's what the real party is." And he's like, "Well, how many people are going to be in the secret party?" And she's like, two. And now is that that was the <laughs> end of the communication? <laughs> so I don't know if he ever showed up. <laughs> I don't know if he ever showed up. You know, well, if he walked into that HR violation or not. <laughs> But the thing about these ornaments, we we should have two at this point, and we still don't know what they're for. We just have them. This game has a lot of collectibles that you have no idea what they're for. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the the black boxes are collectibles. You could say you could think that, you know, they're there just to kind of give you an insight, but somebody does take them. Yeah. In the game, but we just haven't gotten to them yet. There's another collectible that we're not going to mention yet. Uh, we're going to come back around to it. And then you also have these. I'm trying to think if there's another collectible. Yeah, the 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 the, the lenses in the don't were like that too. Yeah, there's another. I don't know if you want to talk about it at all now, but there's another collectible that we've definitely collected at this point, but didn't realize it was a collectible until later on in the game. Which one? The the tags. Oh, yeah, the tags. Oh, you could, yeah, you do get the uh, tags from uh, the rebel leaders. That mm -hmm. is true. I forgot about that. Exactly. I, <laughs> I totally forgot about that. But then, yeah, that's another, that's a collectible. Yeah, I mean, I kind of figured that somebody would want that. But you're right. Like, you get that, you get the tag, and then it's just like, oh, she's like, I'll take these. Yeah, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So, but this ornament was left by the same people who left the ornament in the daunt, and they called themselves the Golden Toucans. And they had to make a pit stop because someone had explosive diarrhea from eating bad sushi. That's what. That's basically what it comes down to. But I think 
it was they ate sushi at the lodge in the daunt. That's what that was. It was like a lodge in the daunt. And then they said we had to make an emergency pit stop. So this is like this is an ongoing story here. <laughs> I didn't even catch the stories of these. I need to go back and look. Yeah, you have to read it. Like there's like this this I think if you go to the ornament itself in the collectibles page, mm-hmm. you can read. So I think that's what's going on here. All right. Uh, so yeah, let's move into salvage contracts. Which uh, this actually starts in Baron Light when you meet uh, Karuf. I think his name is Karuf, and yes. uh, he's hoping that your arrival meant that the gates at Baron Light were going to open soon. He runs a salvage operation in No Man's Land and beyond, and says that there's a ton of unclaimed salvage out there, and he has salvagers that work out there when the gates are open. But you know, with the gates being closed, obviously that's bad for business. And his scra- camps will buy scraps off of you. And they also have some pretty rare items available for metal blocks. You know, so. Like, I think like one of the first, like one of the earliest ones I've, uh, I got was like a rollerback tail before I even saw a rollerback. And it's like a legendary item. Oh, I didn't even try to buy stuff off of them. And you get it for metal blocks too. Like, you know, so as opposed to like other currency, but there's like, I forget how you get metal blocks, but I had a whole bunch of them. I didn't buy any of these, so I probably have a whole bunch of them too. Probably, yeah. I think metal blocks get used for something else, and I just can't remember like what they get used for as well. But I had a whole bunch of metal blocks, and I needed rollerback tails for either armor or, or weapons or both. <laughs> but so I, yeah, especially, yeah. Because especially when there's a piece of armor that you get, that's actually pretty nice. It's the nicest armor you get from a mission earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. And that required rollerback tails. But we'll get around to that. <laughs> uh, but um, once the embassy is over, Kroof, like you see him, he's in the cutscene. He comes out and they start uh, salvaging. And after you finish speaking with Lawan, Kroof's salvage camp is one of the first places you'll hit on your way into No Man's Land. So he's there speaking with a salvager named Lorend, and long story short, Kruf wants to make armor, create armor that can withstand the dangers of the Hidden West and sell that to hunters like Aloy. And uh, he's launched a contest between his best salvagers to find supplies and make his armor. So basically, the, the salvager with the best armor gets a shard prize. And it's like, okay, well, what happens to the other armors? And this just reminds me of like recently that's been ha- something that's been happening like in the real world where companies will do these like especially like they'll they'll do like these um, contests for art mm-hmm. and they'll pick the best art for some type of campaign. But then they also keep the rights to the rest of the artwork. MTV yeah. just got hit with something like that. I was going to say there is a big one with uh, Billie Eilish that just happened to because she with Adobe, yeah. with Adobe because if you won, then. She could put your art on a shirt or something like that. And then that that's, I think, when it really started blowing up again. Because right. if you read the contracts, they have the rights to your artwork that you submit. So even if you don't win, you still don't own that art. Exactly. They can use it however they want. Yep. So they're probably getting thousands of submissions that they're able to just keep. Right. You know, so. Yeah, but that's what that like really reminds me of. But uh, there's a glyph <laughs> from Karuf in the camp uh, called Done with Delving. And he talks about how he made more in one salvage sale than the last four delves combined. 
And he said he was getting too old for delving anyway. And then he also notes that ever since the Shadow Cards have found weapons, the ruins are filled with bandits and looters trying to find the next great weapon. So I think we've talked about it in the previous, you know, like before, where that, you know, now that everybody knows about the Deathbringers and they came up, like everybody's going to be like salvaging and trying to figure out, I guess, how to best use this stuff mm-hmm. and maybe even salvage, uh, you know, delving for more, you know, other things. Uh, or just delving to see what they can find. And this is kind of a, a result of that. Even though I will say I thought in this game we might see more advancements from humans. Because now, like, you know, the, I mean, the, the Deathbringers came up all over the place, right? Yeah. So before, the only the Shadow Cards really had access to it. But you have all these different cultures that can now, like, you know... Go to a Deathbringer, pick it apart, maybe make new armor, things like that. I mean, the newest thing we've really seen is like those those energy shields that Regala's leaders have. Were those you know? made? Yeah, I guess they were made more, I guess, quote unquote, recently. They weren't like an old ones relic. Right. Yeah. I mean, they've clearly been made by something out of something with the old ones that, that they right. once have. Right. We just don't really know what it is, but that's those leaders have it. Also, when you come you come across some Tanakh that just have those as well. Yeah, but yeah, like other than that, we haven't really seen any advancements with with their weaponry. The only the the, the biggest advancement humans have made in this game is that now they wear headgear because <laughs> I guess they got tired of being shot in the face by by Aloy's arrows. It's only been six months, though. I guess they could have just ripped a weapon off of them and and made it work that's true i mean that's what they were doing before though because even the shadow cards were just they were the de- they were taking the deathbringer guns off of deathbringers they probably couldn't get operational yeah that's so, true yeah but there has been some reaction to the shadow card uh, pulling up those weapons now everybody's looking for the next great weapon so but Karuf, he does leave you with Lorend. And then Lorend immediately asks for your help, <laughs> you know. So uh, after several failed designs, he finally has a design that he thinks can win the contest. He just needs the parts. And so he asks Aloy to take a contract and get the parts for him. And in this contract, he needs shell walker containers. Uh, he says that their plating is made to withstand a lot of damage, so it'll make for the perfect armor. And he gives you the contract for convoy ambush. This is our very first contract of the game and the thing that kind of bothered me if for actually no it still bothers me i think they could have implemented this better it's not it's it's just kind of a pain or an annoyance but to read the contract you have to go into the collectibles menu if you want to read the contract yes that's annoying but like reading the contract i guess it's helpful I, i i only did these three um, but reading the contract, I was like, okay, I already know what I'm doing, but I guess it's to refresh your memory if you like accepted it a while ago. There is some of them. There are reasons why you need to read the contract and I'll get into that because mm. one of them is in this actual, it's in this, uh, series series. Yeah. Uh, so, um, one thing of note on the salvage contracts is that. You can't just go and kill the machine that you need. Like you can't say, okay, I need 
you can't say I need shell Walker, uh, plates, right. And then go find any shell walk and go kill them. You have to go to the specific area. They tell you to go and kill the machines there that you have to go to specific locations and kill specific machines. And then, uh, the salvager or Lorinda in this case will go to and send somebody to pick them up for salvage later. So, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they did this because they wanted you to be in specific scenarios, right? Mm. It's not like, uh, I'm trying to think like uh, Bren's house, right? Where he wants you to go get the blood of a, a thunderjaw, a corruptor yeah. or a thunderjaw or something like that. So, or a stormbird. And then, you know, they would give you the location to go to, but if like there would be easier places to go kill these things, mm-hmm. you know, so you would just go to those locations instead. And they didn't, they didn't want that. They want you to fight in these specific scenarios. Uh, so once you get to the specific location of the contract, you do have some setup time. Uh, you actually, I think you actually have to go to, there's like a, a bedroll there and stuff like that when you're actually ready. So you can mm-hmm. set up this area for this engagement it's like between two maces so there's really nowhere for the enemies to go it's actually it's it's a good starter contract you know because it's not i mean even though there are shell walkers and i know the first time christina came across a shell walker she thought it was a boss because it was that difficult it was so tough it, not not anymore i understand them now but it was so tough Ooh, <laughs> yeah. baby Ely. Yeah, so like you know, this is a good one because the enemies are like entrapped in an area. There's also like rock traps you can use, like you can activate them and use them to destroy targets. Uh, so, but you know, when you're ready, I think you just go to the bedroll and you wait, and it turns nighttime. Or if you fail, it's gonna turn from night to day. <laughs> you know, so because yeah, the first time I did fail it, uh, I got actually I got I got shot by a uh, a shell walker, like one of the little like um electric balls they shoot like it just oh. popped up and it hit me and i ended up dying yeah so it didn't work out for me <laughs> uh but yeah i mean the second time I mean, another thing is like i you know i did the setup because i was like oh, okay this is between two maces they're probably going to come down here so let me set up some electric traps what i didn't expect is for two burrowers to be leading the convoy and they just set your traps off <laughs> pretty much Oh, see, I set my traps up. I didn't even see the environmental things like the rocks until after I set up the traps. But I set the traps up. You know how it like goes skinny and then it goes wide again and then skinny again. So I did it at the skinny again part to give me a little bit of time. So when the burrowers came in, I used the first environmental thing and it fell and killed one and damaged the other one. So then it ran into the electric and died. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. I had set up two electric traps and they both got triggered by the burrows. <laughs> so um, I didn't even bother setting it up the second time. <laughs> I just let them walk into the area. And then I set off the first rock trap, which killed the first uh, burrow and I missed the second one. And then the second rock trap, Hit both the second burrower and the shell walker. Shell walker, but it took like half of his health. Like it took a lot of his health. I oh. was scared because the shell walker walked around that way, and I used it, and then it destroyed the container. And I was like, "Oh, didn't I need that?" But it didn't fail me. It, I passed it anyway. Because no. that's one of those contracts where you just need to take the machine down, and he sends somebody to salvage it later. Right. So you don't actually have to go to it and get anything. Yeah, I thought the container had to stay intact, and that got destroyed by the rocks. 
nope, don't have to worry about that. Uh, so once you finish that, you go back to Lorend, and he says the plates will make good armor. Uh, but with a few more additions, he can make it so much better. And he asks you to take a few more contracts. So both of these contracts are actually back in the dorm. That's what I was talking about earlier. They, they take you back there. Uh, he wants you to get alarm antennas, which you can get those from scroungers south of Baron Light, uh, near where we encountered the shadow, shadow cards the first time. And then the other one, he, you need a scrapper jaws. And this is found near chain scrape. And the scrappers aren't there. This is what I was talking about. You got to read the contract because if you read the contract, it tells you kill a few chargers and the scrappers should come. Right. So I get there, I kill a few chargers and then the scrappers come. And then you, I think you, you don't have to do anything special. Like you don't have to keep them alive. Like uh, some of the contracts later on to get certain parts, obviously you have to keep them the, the 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 machine alive until you break the part off and mm-hmm. then you can kill the machine. So this isn't one of those. I think you just take them down once the scrappers come. But the thing about it that makes it kind of annoying is that, you know, the scrapper, you don't have to kill all the charges before the scrappers come. You kill, like, I think, like two charges, maybe one or two charges. And the scrappers come and there's still more charges there. And there's like some burrowers there. So if you start fighting the scrappers. Everybody else gets involved, too. So I actually ended up having to clear more scrap, or not more scrappers, but more, like, chargers and more burrowers before I can even fight. So this was one of those weird ones where I didn't see my fight on it, but I feel like I stealthed so many things. This is when I was stealthing everything. So if I saw burrowers that were in the area, I definitely stealthed them before I even tried (laughs) to fight anything else. Oh, yeah. So uh, I ended up doing that. But once you finish that, you go back to Lauren and you tell, you, tell him the contract is complete. And she's like, oh, you have all the parts. And he's like, eh, well, not really. <laughs> you know, so he tells Aloy that about a fang horn that spews fire like a blazing forge and says that with it, his armor could resist an inferno. And Aloy goes and agrees to get the parts from the machine. So this one's actually called elusive fang horn for a reason. Um. This one is definitely a little different because, well, one, it's not far from the salvage camp, but two, you have to track down the Fanghorn using the focus. Like, you can't just go to the location and it's there. Uh, And that's actually a bit annoying because the tracks are in the same area as chargers. So they, like, look at you and then they start charging at you and trying to attack you and stuff like that. And just more of an annoyance because you're not there for them. Right. (laughs) You know? So, not to mention, if they start attacking your mount and your mount goes down because of it, like that's just a that's just frustrating. So, um, but once you track down the Fanghorn, it bolts. Like you have to chase it down. So you got to hop on a mount and then you have to chase it down. And you can freeze it and stop it for a few seconds, but then as soon as like the freeze effect is done, it starts running again. Yeah, this was. This was really frustrating because I kept getting stuck on every single piece of the environment. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like I was watching the VOD and I was I was just cursing like a sailor. I was so upset because I would be like, I'd get the perfect aim, I'm about to let go, and then I would run into a rock. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was able to I froze it and I wasn't expecting it to stop. <laughs> and I rode right past it. No. And by the time I turned around, it started moving again pretty much. Oh man. No, I lost yeah. it a few times. I had to I had to keep finding it. 
I actually watched you do that live. I dude, you, you <laughs> then you saw the frustration. It was really bad. At this point in the game, I was very cringy. It was really bad. I'm sure, yeah. So why well, I shouldn't say I'm sure. I was like, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but once the Fanghorn is down, you can actually loot it for the parts that you need. And then you go back to Loren, and he's happy you got the parts. And then he starts talking about adding more stuff. And Aloy just cuts him off. Like, isn't it time you get started? And he's like, you're right. And then he thanks you for your help. And he tells you to come back to see him win the prize. And then that is the end of that salvage. That's that's You completed an entire set of salvage contracts. You should have gotten a achievement for that. And that um, was my only salvage contracts I did. Yeah, I think there's four sets total, I think. Four sets. There's four sets total. I definitely accepted two or three of them outside of this one, but then I just never did them. Uh, yeah, I think there's total of four sets of, yeah, I can't remember. Because I, I know there's one in, well, there's this one. There is not one in playing song. There's one in the northern Tanak territory in the desert. Mm-hmm. There's one in the southern desert. And then there's one in, like, the forest area. So mm-hmm. I can't remember if I did another one. I, all I know is I did them all because I, got, <laughs> I, I did get the armor that you get uh, when, when this is over. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. So. Because uh, you can get the armor doesn't mean you're actually going to wear it. And we'll talk. <laughs> that's one of the things we're going to talk about later on in this game is getting stuff that doesn't necessarily matter to you at the point that you get it anyway. Yeah. But yeah. So I think we're going to we're going to end this here. Oh, go ahead. I actually have one more thing, unless you don't want to do random glyphs in the world at this point. No, go ahead. So there's one glyph that I found and I can't find it in the video, but I knew it was in No Man's Land and it's called Machine Dreams. And so there's a Osaram camp that you come up to and there's like a bunch of dead Osaram on the ground and you're like, what the heck is this? This is kind of near. um, I'm trying to think of where Hades is. East of Hades. Sorry, I'm really bad with directions. So this is east of Hades. Um, And. This there's a glyph there and you pick it up and you read it and there's these um these Osarams saying that they walked up on a Banuk shaman. It's something that they don't see often. It's like a really strange sight to see. And he was drinking oil from a bristleback, just like slurping it down. Uh, and they thought, you know, that they were crazy because it's not they're the crazy blood drinkers. And after they were done like their night. They were hanging out at the campfire, just knocking back some drinks. And someone brought up some machine oil and dared them to drink it. And they're like, oh, that, you know, shaman drank it. We'll drink it, too. I don't back down from a dare. And the person that's writing the glyph was like, everybody's already passed out. I'm about to pass out soon. My stomach's not feeling well. I'm going to have to, you know, punch him in the morning for giving us oil like to drink or whatever. Uh, maybe we'll think of like dream of ravagers dancing in the meadow, and then that that was it. They they all they all died. Really? Yeah. So there is a reference to Bren here, then, because I definitely did not. I mean, I didn't come across that at all. I don't. Yeah, I, I, you said like Osram camp, and all the Osram are dead. Yeah, it's not a camp. It's like a campfire, and there's just three dead Osram and a glyph there. I got this so early, and I don't remember where. 
I haven't encountered it yet. So I got it when I was still in the no man's land area, just exploring everything. And yeah. Yeah. I I did not catch that, but that's our, that's our boy with the prophecy, right? With the prophecy. He was, he was right. I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you the link because I forgot to earlier, but may yeah. they, may they all rest in peace. So now we know that machine oil is dangerous. Don't drink it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't know that before. Yeah, I think they, we, you know, kind of, Aloy declined the machine oil because I think um, he offered her some. He's like, oh, you should yeah. try it. You know, he's like, sharp. You know, yeah. she's like, no, I'm good. So, yeah. Okay. Well, they tried it and they died. Our boy, uh, Brent, has an iron stomach, so. <laughs> yeah. All right, so yeah, then I think at this point we're going to go ahead and close up here. Uh, on our next episode, we're going to talk about the two side quests that I was talking about. There's a side quest uh, where we deal with the Shadow Carja, and then there's another side quest called... The Burning Blooms. The Burning Blooms, yes. We're going to do both of those side quests. Like I said, we're going to come be coming back to this area anyway because... You know, there's later side quests later on that we're going to have to engage in, but, you know, for now, we'll, we'll do this stuff. Um, but yeah, Christina, I mean, what, do, what, are you, what are your thoughts right now? There's so much in this game. I, I probably said this already, but it's overwhelming with the amount of collectibles and everything. It got to the point where... I did everything possible in the Daunt. And then once this opened up, I was like, yeah, I'll just do the same thing. I'll do everything possible in no man's land and move forward. And that is, it is impossible because there's some stuff that you do have to come back to. But besides the impossibleness of it, it's also impossible because there's just so much. Like you'll drive yourself crazy if you try to do everything. Yeah, like the fact that you go to so you go go to call if you walk up the cauldron move like let's say you are first getting no man's land you walk you, you you're probably like level 10 11 at the most mm-hmm. and you walk up to the cauldron it gives you a warning like um you might not want to do this this cauldron's a high level so the game definitely wanted to make it so that you had to come back at certain points for you know for different things which i would say if the game world was smaller that makes more sense yeah, but the game world is actually yeah. pretty pretty large, and so usually when you have a large game world, they just kind of want you to go and explore and you know do things in those areas. But like they're like, no, we're gonna get some extra hours out of this. We spent a <laughs> lot of time building this. Yeah, because so. I didn't do that cauldron until after where we are. I wanted to do yeah. it, but I I think at this point in the game, I was probably level fifteen, sixteen. And I was like, I'm not taking that chance. Even though later on, I was like, this is level blah, blah, blah. I'm like 10 levels under. Whatever. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, I was like level six. By the time I moved in the plane song, I was level 16. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But so I I definitely get what you're saying. So, yeah, it is interesting the way they kind of set up the game so that the, the, you know, the world gets used back and, you know, pretty like, you know, pretty well. Yeah, and it's and we were talking before the podcast even starts. There's just so many things that you can miss, like this glyph, for instance, that you didn't even see, you know, because it's in such a random spot. It's by that little area that gives you a quest there with the right. with the guys fighting. Um, 
that's like kind of where it was. Right. So it's so easy to miss just like simple little things. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the world they, they is definitely pretty in depth. They stuffed a lot into it. Mm-hmm. And then not only do they stuff a lot into it, there's just, there's just so many places for them to kind of hide it. Like there's a, there is a hidden collectible, like four, four or three of them in this yep. game that until you start finding them, they don't like, they don't, it doesn't show up at all. It just shows up as like question marks on your, on your, uh, HUD. And I stopped you know? going for all the question marks because there's just so much. So I, I missed all of them. I didn't find out until I think someone posted in the discord about them. Well, I said uh, question marks on your HUD, not even question marks on the map. They just, they show up as question marks in your collectibles. Oh, okay. Because okay. they don't, they don't show they don't up on show the map at all. at all. They don't yeah. show up on the map at all. And I think if you get them, you actually get something. So they're they're very special. We'll talk about well, them not at a trophy some point. because I I got all the trophies. So it's not, not the trophy. Yeah. It's, it's not the trophy. <laughs> yeah, but we'll talk about them at some point. But yeah, uh, like I said, we're gonna uh, stop here and we're going to uh, talk about those two side quests in the next episode. And after that, we're gonna head off the plane song. So I like to thank everybody for listening. If you want to keep up with what's going on with this show and going on with Mash those buttons, you can follow us on twittercom slash network. Uh, Christina, where can they find you? You can find me at S'mores Pop-Tart on Twitter and Twitch. I'm also the host of another podcast on the network called Wondrous Tales, and we talk about Final Fantasy XIV content and kind of what's going on in the community and the story and stuff. So come listen. All right. And you can find me uh, on Twitter at Josh Fredamas. You can also find me streaming on our Twitch channel sometimes at twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. And like I mentioned earlier, we'd love to have you join our Discord and uh, come and chat about the game and about the show. So please join us at mash.gg slash Discord. And uh, like I said, we'd love to hear your comments and questions. So you, know, you can reach out to us on the Discord or you can reach out to us on Twitter. Or if you want to, you can just email us at contact at mash.gg. Uh, if you enjoy the show and you want to help us out, one of the best ways you can do that is to share the show with others and also rate and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. If you want to take your support a bit further, you can at mtb.gg slash support. And you can see all the different ways to support matches buttons. And we have a Patreon where we uh, general support stores at about $2 a month. It's patreon.com slash match those buttons. We do have a Teespring store, which is teespring.com slash store slash match those buttons. We do have, actually, I'm sorry. That's merch.match.gg now. I'm reading old notes here. Wow. Wow. Go me. Wow. And uh, we also have Twitch subscriptions available, like I said, at twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. Or you can uh, also use our Humble Bundle affiliate links when you buy games from the Humble Bundle store, which is just going to give you codes for Steam and Epic Games and Gameplay. Um, so you, you can use our links there. Or you can just use our one-time PayPal donation link, uh, which is all available at mtv.gg slash support. And I encourage you guys to stay tuned after the show to hear more about Mash Those Buttons. And with that, we are done for this episode. We will see you in episode 45. See ya. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. 
If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashlessButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash Mash Those Buttons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at Mash.gg slash Discord. 